to Life Lessons. We're Jen and Sherry. I'm Jen Stevens, a retired teacher of 28 years and the author of the New York Times bestseller, Fast Feast Repeat. And I'm Sherry Bullock. I've worked in healthcare for over 26 years, and I've been an active volunteer for many organizations. We're both wives and moms, and let's face it, we're the glue that holds it all together in our homes. In our careers, we have always been problem solvers who help others. And that's what we'll be doing here, answering questions you didn't know you had, one smart solution at a time. We're always looking for ways to make our lives easier, help us be more productive, or improve our health and wellness. So let's live our best lives one day at a time, and let's have some fun along the way. Hi, everybody. We are so glad that you're here today. Welcome to episode 48 of the Life Lessons podcast. Could you tell I was like, what are we doing? And I didn't know what to say for a second there. It's like, what am I doing? (laughs) (laughs) Nope. I was like, I think I just sounded weird. Yeah, we just record when we, for for listeners, you don't know this, but when we have a guest, we record with them first. And then we go back and record the intro and the ending. So we've just been talking to our guest before we're recording now the intro. So my brain is tired. (laughs) (laughs) So if it sounds like I didn't know what I was going to say, then that was true. How are you doing today, Sherry? Are you less confused than I I am? No, I kind of spaced out there for a second, too. I got to be honest with you. (laughs) (laughs) Good job. Because our intro is blank, but our intro is always blank. So, I mean, what what do we do? (laughs) I'm going to blame my kind of discombobulated brain on the fact I had my teeth cleaned. Oh, today? Yeah. So I'm fasted. And for any of our fasters who are listening, you'll know what I'm talking about. If you're not an intermittent faster, you're not going to know what I'm talking about. But you can always learn. They used vanilla tooth polish. Oh, and it made you a little hungry. Hungry and a little like spacey feeling. Yes, for sure. Yes. As soon as we get done recording, I'm going to eat. I'm always a little stressed at the dentist, always, always stressed because I just am. And so I think the stress also makes me hungrier. Like, leave the dentist and like, I'm going to eat something now. You're not you're nervous at the dentist? No, I'm not. Yeah, I am. I chose the dentist I go to now because it had been a while, and I really don't like the dentist. And she um, was someone who advertised that they would give you, like, Valium and gas and all And that's that. who you chose? That's who I chose. I was like, I need all <laughs> the gas, all the Valium, what you got, give it to me. But you'd be proud of me because now I no longer take the Valium. I'm like, okay, I'm fine. I don't need the Valium. I don't like the way I you feel kind of got over it. your fear. Your a little fear. bit, yeah, because yeah. she's, you know, they're, they're good and I see the same people. But I don't like the way I feel when I take Valium, so yeah. I'll never be like a Valium addict. It made me feel crazy and not good. But the gas, you know, if they're doing like crowns or something, I'll definitely do that, but. Well, my hygienist came in and she said, how are you doing today? Are you having any pain? And I said, yes. And she said, where? I said, he's at home on the couch. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's so funny. I get it. We all, we get it. (laughs) He goes back to the doctor tomorrow and it'll be his two-week checkup. And I'm like, maybe they'll let you return to work to a desk job. He's like, I doubt it. And I'm secretly going, please. Please, please let them (laughs) let you go back to work for a desk job. Oh, gosh. Well, we always start our show with our good news segment, and today's shout out comes from Sarah in New York, and it's kind of a bittersweet story, but it's inspiring. Uh, she wrote, I would like to t- make a shout out to my kids. T- oh my gosh. Taekwondo. Is it Taekwondo? I, it is Taekwondo, but here's the funny thing. My daughter, when she was about five years old, we were driving down the road and she saw a Taekwondo Academy, and she said, 
what is take one do? <laughs> so so now you have a hard time saying it I have it right. a hard time saying it right because we've told this story so many yeah. times. It was so funny. Anyway, she says, I want to shout out to my kids' taekwondo school, Risen Taekwondo. We started attending their school in November 2018 after my daughter participated in an event at her school. We asked around and a friend of ours recommended Risen where her son attended. So we set up an evaluation with Master Rafino to make sure our kids were ready. My daughter was only four and my son was seven. Master Rafino was amazing with the kids, making them feel comfortable and at ease immediately. We also met Miss Kay, the other co-owner and instructor who instantly made us feel welcome. Both of my kids have been attending ever since. Throughout the years, both Master Rafino and Miss Kay have really been amazing role models for the students, hosting events about bullying, encouraging kids to not be afraid to try new things, and how to persevere through difficult times. When everything shut down for COVID in 2020, when all the other activities my kids did stopped, Risen Taekwondo developed an entire Zoom program to help kids try to keep some normalcy while continuing their practice. They created fun online events and really went above and beyond. We have really grown to think of them as a second family. Unfortunately, just three weeks ago, Miss Kay was killed in a tragic car accident at only 25 years oh, old. Oh, no, that is so I know, awful. isn't that sad? Yes. She says, the outpouring of love and kind comments by so many of the students at her funeral truly showed the remarkable impact she had on so many kids, especially girls who saw her as a powerful, confident force and a woman running her own business and achieving her dreams. Her death rocked the Taekwondo school, and while we're waiting for them to reopen after such a tragic loss, a group of the kids have been getting together on the side to continue their practice. Her spirit lives on through all of them. And Sarah, I think you're right. Kids remember the people who really make a difference in their lives when they're at that age, especially. They're very impressionable. And I think all of those kids will carry part of Miss K with them for years to come. Yeah, I think so, too. That that was great. Thank you for sharing, Sarah. So, listeners, we need your stories. And by the way, if anyone hears something that sounds like pounding rain, it just started raining really hard. Can you hear it, I I can hear that. Yeah. So, listeners, if they're like, is it raining here? No, that's just Jen's house. It's pouring down. Um, But, listeners, we need your stories. Send your good news story to connect at lifelessonscommunity.com. We want to hear about companies that have given you exceptional customer service. Give a shout out to a special someone in your life. I'm laughing because now you can probably hear a cat crying because Ellie is at the door and she is sopping wet and she's crying and she's looking at me through the glass. And since this is the pet episode, I think that that's, if you hear a cat crying, that's Ellie. Anyway, um, so (laughs) we need to hear your stories, share anything that might be inspirational to fellow listeners. And we look forward to hearing from you and sharing your good news in an upcoming episode. And Ellie looks forward to telling you more about how wet she is. So before we get to the life lesson of the week, we want to take a minute to tell you about one of the companies that makes it possible to bring you the podcast. And today I want to talk about Zoe. I'm not sure. Have I ever talked about Zoe on this podcast before? As I a, can't remember if you have or if you have not. Well, if anyone wants to know more, it's at jenstevens.com slash Zoe. And you might be thinking, what in the world is Zoe? Zoe is a, a program. Sherry went through it actually before I did. And it's a program where they're... Um, 
they combine, you're wearing a CGM, which is a blood glucose monitor. You have your gut microbiome analyzed. Yes, that's a poop sample that you get get to do. And they send you some challenge muffins that you get to eat. Basically, the the whole premise of Zoe is personalized nutrition and figuring out what foods work best for your unique body. And if you've listened to me on intermittent fasting stories or on the intermittent fasting podcast or if you've read Fast Feast Repeat or... My, my um, second book, Feast Without Fear, you know that personalized nutrition is something that's very near and dear to my heart. Because when I first learned about it in 2017, the whole concept that we really are different when it comes to our blood glucose response, the way we response to what, the way our body responds to what we eat, it was really mind blowing. Because I had spent years looking for that perfect diet and I figured there had to be one best way to eat because we're always told that there is. Um, so if you've struggled with trying to figure out what foods really work best for you, I would recommend jenstevens.com slash Zoe. I talk about my experience there, and it really is eye-opening. I learned, for example, that my body doesn't clear fat very well. Um, So if I eat too much fat at a time, it's inflammatory for me. Now, that doesn't mean I should not eat fat. I just can't have too much at once. And I also learned my body doesn't clear blood glucose quickly either. So, um, you know, just making some changes to the food combinations that I eat and the way that I eat can make a big difference in my overall health. So jenstevens.com slash Zoe. And now it's time for our life lesson of the week. This week, we're going to talk about a topic that is near and dear to many of our hearts, our four-legged friends. We all want our pets to live long, healthy lives, and regular veterinary visits are just part of keeping them healthy. Today, we are joined by a member of our Life Lessons community, Dr. Sarah Johnston, a practicing veterinarian to go over some general health maintenance recommendations for your pets, as well as tips to avoid injury or illness, and how to decide if adopting an animal into your home is right for your family. Welcome, Dr. Sarah. We are so glad to have you here with us. Thank you so much. I'm happy to be here. Tell us a little bit about your background. Where did you come from? Okay. (laughs) I am from South Carolina. Yay, South Carolina. Yay. That's my home state where where I, you know, when I was born in Georgia, but South Carolina is where my family lived. We go back across the border to Augusta all the time. Oh, cool. Okay. (laughs) So, yes, I did go to Clemson. And um, after Clemson to go to vet school, I went to a school in the Caribbean called Ross University. And it's located on the island of St. Kitts. And I was there for about two and a half years. And then I came back to the States to do a year at Auburn University at their vet school in Alabama. Mm -hmm. And I've been in practice for about 18 years now. So that's awesome. So I imagine having some time in the Caribbean, that sounds like a dream. It was definitely an experience because I'm such a homebody. I probably never would have moved to a different country to just live. Um, but it, it was it was definitely a, a, a very good experience in general. You know, I got to live in paradise and oh, yeah. uh, follow my dream. So have you always wanted to be a vet? I sure have. Yeah, I think I think most of us knew when we were, you know, five or six years old that that's what we wanted to do. And so I, that's pretty much uh, when I when I discovered it, I believe. My brother, bless his heart, he passed away and 
2010, but he loved cats and he always said he was going to be a cat veterinarian. And I'm like, I don't know if you can just choose cats. Like, I feel like in vet school, you're going to have to. And he was terrified of horses and dogs. Okay. And I was like, I'm not sure you're going to get through veterinarian school, John. But Well, let me tell you this. I actually work at a cat clinic. Oh, I didn't even know that existed. <laughs> yes, there are. Um, I think there's just one in this area, but okay. I think they're becoming a little bit more popular. Um, it's so quiet in there. You have barking dogs. <laughs> well, and- every time we take our cat to the vet, which we do a lot now because as I've shared on the podcast, Ringo has diabetes, so we're having to get him managed and give him the injections. But those dogs are like crazy all over it's, the place. Yeah, so loud. But it, it's very peaceful at the cat clinic and the cats are usually pretty well behaved. They're not freaked out by the dogs. So that's uh it's a it's a good environment for a cat. I imagine. So do you are you a cat parent yourself? I do not have cats. I have a, a dog and I have two birds. Okay. Yeah. You know, I've always wondered if veterinarians have their own pets at home or if they get their fill at the office. I think most of us have pets, but I think you're right. I, I think a lot of people and, and honestly, once my dog is gone, I'm I'm probably not gonna be in a real big hurry to replace her. Yeah. I mean, you can't replace them, but I'm no, probably right. not going to be in a hurry to, to get a new one. I, I just, uh, you know, you, you gotta, you gotta think about your lifestyle and I've been traveling some lately. And so you gotta, you know, make arrangements for your puppy. And, um, I'm, I'm lucky that I have a pet sitter who comes to my house. So that works out real well, but, um, yeah, I like that's to travel. Nice. So yeah, it's one less thing to, to think about when you're that's traveling. Right. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Right. So let's start by discussing that big decision to bring an animal into your home. You know, I've got um, I've got two sons. One of them, he and his wife have a dog, and they're responsible. And you know, but still, it's a big decision. My other son, less responsible. Nobody <laughs> tell him I said that, but he got a cat, and you know, he doesn't know anything about going to the vet or taking cats to the vet because we've always handled that. So if somebody has never had dogs or cats before, and they're not really sure where to start or what's involved in pet ownership, what would you tell them? What are your best words of advice? I think the best thing when you're when you're choosing a pet is you need to consider your lifestyle and what the dog was bred to do. If you're looking at purebred dogs, there's um, a real good informative website, um, the American Kennel Club, and they, uh, they go through the breeds and mention how trainable they are, how much um, activity they need, how much grooming they need. And there's not one perfect animal for anybody, you know. If if we have a very high energy dog, we, hopefully we have a high energy family to go with it. You know, uh, some dogs need a lot more exercise than others. But I, I would say do your research and um, definitely consider pet health insurance. Oh, that's a that's good, good tip. to know. Yeah, we've um, never had pet health insurance. Well, it's. It's not quite like human health insurance um, in that basically what, what happens is you, uh, you pay up front at the vet, you submit a claim, and then if it's covered, you'll get reimbursed. Okay. So it's not a matter of vets taking insurance or not. But it, right. it's a, definitely a good, a good thing to have. Like when Jen said that her kitty got hit by a car, right. it might have been great to have health insurance for that. Yeah, we were talking <laughs> about that before we started. And uh-huh. Ellie... Ellie, I don't know how many people are familiar with this story. I've told it on, I don't know, this podcast, other podcasts, people may have heard it. But Ellie, Sherry, and I were at the beach with a friend, 
And my husband called, and Ellie had been hit by a car. She ended up um, losing her tail. She had a tail pull injury. She had to have her leg amputated. No, but she didn't have to have her leg I mean, her, her tail. I don't know. She did not have they, – they wanted to amputate her leg. I said the wrong thing. She had a broken leg. They ended up – she ended up having her tail amputated, and they wanted to amputate her leg. But they also were like, well, if you can't take her to go have this expensive cat surgery that's going to cost thousands of dollars, then we're going to have to amputate her leg. And we were like, we don't want to amputate her leg. That doesn't sound good. And we don't want to pay $5,000 for of cat course. surgery. Of course. But then luckily our regular vet, this was at the emergency vet, our regular vet says like, oh, no, I can fix that leg. And he did. Mm, and it was excellent. amazing. Excellent. So tail amputated, leg is fine. But had we had pet insurance, we may have made a different decision. Yeah. And um, I have seen it come in handy Um a lot of situations, you know, you, you can't chalk every wheel, you can't plan for every contingency, mm-hmm. but when those things happen that you just have no control over, it's good to know that you can pay. Mm-hmm. You know, I have a, we have a friend in California who has four dogs and she swears by it because they're all different ages from puppies clear up to like seven or eight years old. And, um, you know, they've always got something going on with one of their dogs that she's hauling one of the vet for, and she swears by pet insurance. So that's do you that's have a, good a preferred tip. company that you like, or is it hard to say? Well, I don't have pet health insurance. <laughs> You're a vet, <laughs> right? You are the pet health that, insurance. That's right. That's right. I, I can help sometimes. <laughs> um, I I do know that there are several companies out there um, that do it, and. I have found that actually nationwide has a pet health insurance policy. Okay. Um, so that uh, you might even could add that onto your, um, you know, your homeowner's insurance. You might get a break on it. And we know that's a company that, that's been around for a long time, so you can trust them Definitely. In Definitely. Yeah. I think that's, that's the one my company, my uh, hospital I work for actually offers it to their employees. Really? Yeah. And that I insurance? have three dogs, and you would think I would do it. But I just, I mean, like I've heard some people say it's good, but then I was like, I don't know. My dogs just hang out at home in a fenced backyard. What could happen to them? So. Well, doesn't one of them try to escape? Well, uh-huh. that's a, that's a new development. <laughs> yes. Yes, she does. She's turned into quite the Houdini. Oh, yeah. no. oh that's awful. <laughs> so once a person is a pet owner, what, like, what is the recommended checkup schedule? Is it an annual visit or does it de- depend on the age of the animal or is it different from cats to dogs or is there a general recommendation? Generally, once we get through the puppy and kitten series, which includes vaccines and checkups, um, about every three weeks until they're four months old or so, we generally recommend uh, visits every six months or a year. And it depends on obviously any health conditions that your pet may have. If there's a, you know, a chronic disease such as diabetes. My cat Ringo with the diabetes, yes. <laughs> yeah, they'll be coming in a lot. Yes. So, um, but generally, if you have a, a healthy pet that's not on any kind of long-term medication, probably once a year is, is adequate. But after they, uh, after they get to be about maybe eight or so, it's not a bad idea to bring them in about twice a year and um, maybe have blood work done just to make sure everything's going okay. 
Right. Because you really, a lot of things can happen and you're not even sure, you don't even know, and the blood work will catch it. You know, had we taken Ringo in, they probably would have caught that his blood sugar was almost 400 mm-hmm. <laughs> before he started having weird symptoms. Right, yeah. So, you know, they can't tell us when they don't feel well. Exactly. Right? So one thing I remember reading about cats when I was trying to figure out what was wrong with him was that they they hide and they, because they are like instinctually don't want to show that they're not well mm-hmm. because that's like bad for them, like in the wild or whatever. I mean, mm-hmm. Ringo's never been in the wild, but <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, he also had started going to the bathroom in different places. And we were like, is he just really bad? What's going on with him? But what are some signs that pet owners can look for that can let us know, you know, something's not right? Okay. Well, hiding in a cat is definitely red flag. You know, they're they're not feeling well. They they go disappear, like you yeah. said. And the part that was so tricky for us is we've been doing remodeling at the house. And so we have people digging up the backyard. And so we thought he was hiding because of the construction. construction. And maybe it was everything all together. But actually, there was a very serious medical condition. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Um, things to be on the lookout for. Um, increased thirst, increased urination, um, limping increased panting. We see a lot of ear infections in the South. That's probably true in a lot of places. But, um, you know, if you're noticing your dog shaking its head a lot, he may have an ear infection going on. But but generally, the pet owner is the the best resource for evaluating their, their pet's health because they, they know their pet. You know what's normal for your pet. Obviously, you know, testing, x-rays, blood work, things like that might reveal some problem, but you're going to be the first person probably to pick up that your animal's sick. You just know Mm -hmm. they're not being themselves. That's right. Yeah. So occasionally I'll let my dogs out in the morning and I kennel them at night and then I'll let them out. And the first thing one of them will go do is start eating grass. Mm -hmm. Is that, is that a problem? Is that something to look out for? Is that just kind of normal behavior. I think it's fairly normal behavior. I mean, I, I know they they say, "Oh, he's eating grass. He's he's got to throw up." And I have seen that happen sometimes when animals are nauseated, they will eat grass, but I I think they just like it. Yeah, our my, our cats eat grass <laughs> and Ellie does throw up. Mm-hmm. So she'll eat the grass and she'll throw up the grass mm-hmm. and then Ringo will come and eat the throw up cuz they're good oh, friends they're like that. They're self-cleaning. Lovely. <laughs> self-cleaning cats. Like Ringo, she's calling your name. She made you dinner. It's a hot meal. (laughs) Sorry, listeners. (laughs) Anybody who has pets knows exactly what we're talking about. Yeah, it's true. true. Dogs are no different. I kind of appreciate it because it's less for me to clean up. (laughs) That's true. I still clean it up, but let Ringo, let Ringo go first. There you go. So it's not anything for us to worry about, Ben. I don't think so. No, I mean, yeah. I I had a dog, um, my very first dog, who, you know, she was the best dog ever. It doesn't yeah. matter doesn't matter who you're talking about. She was the best. But everybody's dog is the best dog, right? You right. Know? Um, anyway, she. I don't know if any of the listeners know how okra grows, uh, but okra grows on the top of a stalk that can get I don't know five eight feet tall. Yeah. Fairly tall. Mm-hmm. And my dog figured out that if she stepped on the stalk, she could pick the okra off the end. Oh. So she she was a vegetarian, not really a vegetarian, but she stole out of the garden <laughs> all the time. My mom was missing cucumbers and, and the okra kept disappearing and we caught her. Uh, she was no worse for the wear. 
That's he just so enjoyed fun. it, yeah. That's great. <laughs> <laughs> so I have a question for you. Is it necessary to give our animals a bath? Our son that has has the new the new cat that mm-hmm. we just paid for, by the way, to have it fixed. Oh, because he was like, I'm not going to do that. He doesn't have any money. But we were like, we're going to do it. You can't have a pet without taking it to the vet. Anyway, um, it had fleas. Mm-hmm. So we gave it a flea bath, which mm-hmm. was no fun for any of us. Mm-hmm. But... Um, is it necessary to bathe animals? Well, I'll tell you, um, what I tell people is unless they're dirty or stinky or if they need a medicated bath, then no, we don't really need to routinely bathe our pets. You might get a different opinion from somebody else, but, um, you know, I, I really, particularly cats, obviously cats don't like water very much, but they're, they're, no, they don't. <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're clean animals and, um, you know, if there are skin conditions, we may need uh, medicated baths and things like that. But in general, I mean, I don't bathe my dog very often. Did um, we do the right thing to, to give it a flea bath? We just really were trying to figure it out. Sure. Yeah. And, and that's fine. Um, there are a lot of really good flea products out there now. What's your best? Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm so curious about that. <laughs> well, um, the, the thing that I use is called a Soresto Collar. And it's a flea and tick collar, and it lasts for eight months. Okay. And the reason it's good for me is because I will forget to administer flea medication once a month. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, but there are, there are topical products that you can use on cats and dogs. There are pills that you can give for fleas and ticks. Um, most of the pills last about a month, but mm-hmm. there's one type that lasts three months. We're using the pill right now with the cats because the stuff that you put on topically bothers my husband. Mm -hmm. He's chemically sensitive to it. I got you. Yeah, and some mm -hmm. some animals are too. Right. Uh, But but yeah, this it's way better than the days that we had to do flea dips. uh, Right. You know, flea and tick dips every week or whatever. Well, you've made me feel much better because I, like I said, I have three dogs and I just, unless they get really nasty outside and it's super muddy, I just don't give them baths because. They're out in the rain sometimes. I figure that is a that's a free bath, <laughs> there you right? Go. Yeah. <laughs> I do know people that are constantly talking about giving their dogs a bath though. And I'm like, am I should I be giving my dog a bath once a week? Yeah, no, I think you can overdo it. I mean, I guess it depends on the shampoo. And obviously we do have dogs that need routine grooming and the the grooming is is generally a haircut and a bath usually comes along with that. But you know, I, I don't think dogs really get groomed more than once a month or every six weeks. So it wouldn't be like giving a bath, you know, too, too frequently. Right. Maybe your friends have like dirty dogs who roll in the mud or something. Mm-hmm. My friend's dog, mm-hmm. my friend's husband's dog rolled in poop. They were oh, on a hunting trip. So lovely. Rolled all in the poop and then they had to go home with it in the car. Oh, no, yeah. he needed a bath. Well, all yeah. of my dogs like to go find a dead animal in the oh, yard yeah. and roll all in it and <laughs> yeah. come in smelling wonderful. Right. <laughs> that's, that's their favorite thing it's to do. their perfume. Yes. There you go. Yes. They're like, hey, mom, you smell good now. <laughs> <laughs> they do. Yeah, they come in all that. proud. <laughs> yeah. Cats don't do that. No. <laughs> so um, I, okay, I had an experience uh, last spring and anybody who's in our life lessons community Facebook group will know hey, my dog's got a hold of a bat in my yard Ooh, uh-huh. and I was freaking out because um well I mean it was a bat and um I was a little late on their rabies vaccinations and then 
I didn't even know people started telling me then that you could have their rabies titers drawn and that you don't have to get their rabies vaccinations as long as they have like a titer that's positive. Is that what's what's the rule of thumb on that? Do you have anything? Well, um, honestly, I, I think the titers might give pretty good information. Um, however, if your dog is not up to date on a rabies vaccine and he happens to bite somebody, a titer is not going to be proof or... Oh, get I wondered of, about that. Mm-hmm, yeah, it's not going to be good enough. You have to have the, the up to date rabies shot. I got also, you. I would bet a titer wouldn't be any cheaper than just having a, the vaccination, right? It's probably more expensive, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I guess, you know, there's always people that are concerned about over-vaccinating. And, and, that's, and that's definitely what kind of where that, that topic went. And um, so, yeah, I was curious about that. And I was very curious about, you know, whether or not legally you were protected because, you know, most cities and municipalities tell you you have to have an annual you know, rabies vaccinations. That's so. right. Mm-hmm. And they all, all right. And in case you didn't know, they do come in the three-year variety now. Okay. So, I did uh, not know that. That's good. We still want to see your pet every year uh, or twice a year, but um, vaccines don't need to be given every year, it seems like. And there are some that are labeled for three years. So that's good to know for people who are worried about over-vaccinating. Yeah. So that's what people should ask their vet for that, definitely. Yeah. yeah. So how about dental cleanings? Oh, boy. Do you do that? (laughs) Yes. um, It's a hot topic. We have learned a lot about uh, canine and feline dentistry and the importance of dental health. And there's not a hard and fast rule about dentistry in your pets. Um, If we start seeing some buildup on the teeth or if the breath is very bad, sometimes we'll we'll recommend a, a dental cleaning. Um, obviously accidents happen and teeth get broken. So if that happens, then we, uh, would recommend the same procedure and probably to extract the tooth. Um, and, and dentistry is done under general anesthesia, uh, cause you can't really get your pet to say, ah, <laughs> right. <laughs> so, um, and they're not going to want you messing around in their mouth. Not they're bit. like, uh, uh-uh, uh, no, no, <laughs> no. So we, we, uh, they, they go to sleep and we do what we need to do. We can clean the teeth. We, X-ray the, the roots of the teeth to make sure that they're healthy, um, and we we get the the tartar and the plaque off the teeth, and then we polish the teeth, and so we have a a clean mouth for a little while. <laughs> and then, how do people keep their pets' teeth clean at home? Is there a, something that you recommend? The best thing is actually brushing the teeth if if they will tolerate it. Um, and one good thing if you if you want to try it, it's probably a a good idea to start when they're young, but instead of using a toothbrush, you can use, y'all might have to help me out. I don't have children. Um, <laughs> it's, a, it's a little sleeve that you put over your finger and it's got nubs on it. And I think you can use it to brush an infant's teeth. Uh-huh. Yep. I know that, exactly what you're talking about. Okay. Uh, yep. I, I can picture it too. Okay. So that's good. It's real gentle and, and they generally tolerate it okay. Um, and then there are pet um, toothpastes. We, we definitely don't recommend using human toothpaste in our pet. No. I mean, I think they would like the minty freshness <laughs> No, I think we've got tuna flavor and molasses flavor or something uh, like that. Yum. So, yeah, delicious. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure that's great for keeping their breath fresh. Yeah, yeah. Maybe, now yeah. they have tuna fresh breath, which is actually their normal breath. That's right. <laughs> 
All right. Well, that is good to know. And then um, how, so weight is obviously an issue. Um, how do you know if your dog or your cat is at a healthy weight? And, and if they're not, what, like, what's the best method to help them shed weight safely? Okay. To evaluate body condition score is what we call it. To have an ideal body condition score, if you're looking at your pet from the side, you ought to see a waist. You ought to see the little belly tucked up underneath. There shouldn't be any sagging. Uh-oh. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> and if you look at your pet from the top, there ought, it ought to be a, a nice hourglass shape between the ribs and the hips. Okay. So the, the, the waist, if you will, should dip in. Um, and you should be able to feel the ribs fairly well. They shouldn't be very prominent, but uh, you should be able to feel them under a average layer of fat, right. I guess you would say. So that's, you know, not not a very scientific way to do things, but that's what we look at when we when we evaluate body condition. Well, I've just evaluated all three of my cats are overweight. <laughs> oh, right, yeah. <laughs> Common. Well, yeah. I'm thinking I have a blue healer. Uh-huh. And she's just a thicker, stockier dog anyway. Mm-hmm. I mean, the same guidelines apply. I think she might need to go on a diet. Well, yes. Um, the best thing is limiting the food, really, the amount. Um, you know, adding exercise is beneficial. Um, but generally, it's, I don't know, Jen, it's calories in, calories out. Uh-oh. <laughs> question is about limiting the food. Yes. That's hard yes. because you know, we've got three and they just graze and they tend to eat on their own schedule. So, you know, how do we, when you have multiple pets in the family, especially cats who tend to, you know, graze and, and don't show up necessarily for the feedings and also, you know, what food to get them? You know, there's a lot of different foods on the market and a lot of claims made about the foods. I even saw, I don't know, you might think this is insane. We're getting we're getting this email from somebody who wants us to interview them on our podcast about a vegetarian diet for dogs. I've and like, heard of that. That sounds crazy because yeah. aren't they carnivores to me? But yeah. there's so many claims made about pet food. So how do we how do we know when to feed them, how much to feed them if you have multiple pets, and like the kind of food? Okay, that's a lot of... It is a lot. It's a lot. It's a lot to think about for sure. Um, so one little trick, and I, forgive me, I don't know the names of these things, but there are pet feeders right. that um, you can apply a collar to your pet, it's got a microchip in the collar. So when the pet approaches the feeding station, the door will open for, for that, that pet. That pet, yes. Okay. So wow. if they need mm-hmm. so if they need to be on different diets for whatever reason, um, mm-hmm. then that's a, a good option for you. So so that particular dog is eating his correct meal. That's a great tip because the vet tried to get us to buy this special diabetic cat food. I'm like, we got three cats. We're not giving them all diabetic cat food, although right. maybe we should. But. <laughs> right. Um, but there there are lower calorie foods. There mm-hmm. are uh, foods with more fiber that's supposed to be, you know, more filling for these guys because Lord knows sometimes they think they're going to starve to death if you yes. cut back their food or, or change the time of feeding. Um, I, you know, I, I like to feed I like to leave food out for cats, mm-hmm. um, but for, for dogs, I think puppies need to be fed three or four times a day and kind of reduce that as they are approaching a year old. And then by the time they're a year old, they could eat once or twice a day. Okay. I feed my dogs twice 
Um, well, I just have, but that's not written in stone. It's not right or wrong. It's just what we do. But you, you had asked about brands of dog food, well, or pet food. Or just sorry. how do we know? How do we know we're choosing a quality pet food? Because when we when we started to look, you know, we're like, we need to make a change. You know, with cats, we give them a little wet food in the morning. And then, you know, the dry food is just what we keep out all the time. But how do we know we're getting something good? Well, there are about five brands that across the board veterinarians are recommending because of the lack of recalls. Oh, that's important. Because of food trial testing. Make sure that they have veterinary nutritionists on staff. But the the big thing is if you look on the label, you should see the letters AA, F is in Fargo, CO, AFCO. And that is a, a feed organization that dictates what needs to be in that food or okay. what shouldn't be in that food and, and to make sure it's nutritionally complete. Am I allowed to mention brands? Sure. Sure. Yeah. Okay. They're not sponsoring. No. It's just your your recommendation as a as a professional who knows. Okay. Well, we we really like Purina Pro Plan. That's okay. that's a real good diet. And you don't have to spend a million dollars on food to, you know, feed them feed them an, an adequate or or yeah, adequate diet. So Purina Pro Plan, um, Hills Science Diet, Royal Canin is one, Iams is one, and I think Eucanuba is one as well. And I, I will say, if if y'all haven't heard about it, um, there's been a, a big to do in veterinary medicine about um, dietary related heart disease, mm-hmm. and um, what we have found is that certain pet food, mostly this applies to dog food, but certain dog foods are that are grain-free that may have uh, legumes like peas in them are predisposing these dogs to a condition called um, dilated cardiomyopathy. Oh, Oh, wow. Yeah. And it's real serious, but they uh, apparently, if you put them back on a non-grain-free food, uh, they can recover. So definitely, um, unless your vet recommends a grain-free dog food for whatever reason, feed your dog grain. That's so interesting because it seems like, you know, just on the, the face of it, a grain-free diet sounds like what you would want. That's right. right? Yeah, well. Good good tip. Yeah, and this has been going on for just a couple of years, and I think the, the reason that they uh, suspect is that there's an amino acid that they're um, deficient in, in in certain diets, and those four or five that I mentioned to you have not been implicated in the dietary dilated cardiomyopathy. That is so good to know. Mm-hmm. In my head, I'm like, hmm, what is on my dog's yeah, dog food label? Mm-hmm. I'm going to have to go look when we get mm-hmm. off of here. Mm-hmm. So we often hear that animals shouldn't eat table scraps. But I've also heard that eggs and salmon are really good for their fur and their skin. So I definitely give my dogs like leftover scrambled eggs. And when I, I do not eat fish skin. So mm-hmm. after I cook my fish, I toss it out the back door to them. Is that okay to give them stuff like that? Or should, should you not? Uh, that's a tough question. Um, I would say just be, be, be cautious of what you're feeding and how much you're feeding. Um, things with a very high fat content, high salt content should be avoided. Our pets 
can get pancreatitis from eating very greasy things. And some dogs just, their, their stomachs just won't tolerate certain things. Um, but I, I think if you, I think eggs are fine. I, I don't want you to feed them chocolate or grapes. That's very important. Those are both very toxic. Grapes particularly. So don't, don't feed your dog grapes. But xylitol, I, isn't that really bad for them xylitol as well? Xylitol is one as well. That's right. Yeah. And it, it comes in a, a lot of things, a lot of products, toothpaste, gum. You, you probably know better than I do. Well, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> I just remembered hearing xylitol, but yeah. Yes. Avoid that. I had never heard that. So you hadn't heard xylitol. No, I had. Yeah, it's like toxic for dogs, right? It is. It can cause liver failure. Okay, I just knew. I think it's onions and grapes that cause kidney failure. Is that right? Grapes cause kidney failure. Onions can cause uh, blood problems. That's not a good way to put it. Um, It can cause a, a certain type of anemia. I gotcha. Okay. okay. I never so, would have thought that. Mm-hmm. So to be safe, stick with your quality dog food. Correct. Is there anything that cats need to watch out for? You know, I'm a cat mom. So. Yeah. Cats, unless they have a condition, cats will do well on, I mean, we recommend Fancy Feast a lot. Okay. We And and two, um, it's, it's good to feed cat uh, canned foods. Yeah. Cats don't drink a whole lot. And so if we, we have canned food, then there's a little more liquid in there. But there are a lot of great brands out there. Like I said, Fancy Feast is one. Friskies is one. Then, of course, the ones that I named, Science Diet, Royal Canin, okay. Purina. Yeah. Okay. That's good to know. So how much exercise should dogs get or even cats too? I mean, do they need to go outside? Ours have a cat door. They go in and out. Mm. Um, we live in a pretty safe neighborhood, not the place where she got hit by a car, which oh. is really sad. But, mm-hmm. you know, is there a rule of thumb for dogs and cats and how much exercise they need? Like, do the dogs need to go for a walk or just being in the backyard? Is that enough? I think it really depends on the dog and and the breed. And and we talk about, I I talked about breeds and referring to the American Kennel Club uh, website. Mutts are great dogs. You know, I'm not recommending a specific breed of dog, but when when you know what's in your dog, you have a better idea of what that breed needs in terms of exercise, grooming, things like that. So if we have, um, generally the, the hunting breeds are pretty active. The herding breeds are very active. A lot of these dogs really need a lot of exercise. Healers in particular, they, they need a job. They need, they need a lot of exercise. And my Uh Dixie, she's a shepherd collie mix and she is just She's my, she's my Houdini dog now. I see. <laughs> <laughs> Which that's what somebody said. They're like, she's bored. That's why she's moving out of the yard. And she's uh, trying to expand her horizons. And I'm like, well, she's going to have to rein those horizons in. <laughs> well, <laughs> she doesn't realize that she's, she's got it the best at your house. I right. <laughs> I know. The funny thing is that she goes right out the backyard, sneaks into the garage, and goes into her kennel. Oh, bless her heart. <laughs> she's not going far. No. No. She's never, like, run away. She just She's like, I want to get in my bed. That's it. Well, there's a fan that blows on top of it, that blows oh. in front of it. So, yeah, she's she's a southern belle. She wants to lay in front of her fan, I guess. <laughs> That's great. So, really just breed dependent as far as how much exercise they need. Yeah, I'd say so. Um, you know, some of the toy breeds, poodles. Pomeranians, just the, the little guys probably don't need as much exercise as say that you're hurting dogs. But like I was saying, mutts are great dogs. If you have an idea what has gone into your mutt, and there are DNA tests, 
that can tell you what your dog's made of. And, you know, it depends on the, the combination of, of the parents. So we're almost out of time. Is there anything else you'd like to share that you think would be beneficial to our listeners that we haven't gotten to yet? I'm just going to stress health insurance. I think I think it's very important and I'm do what I say, not what I do, because <laughs> clearly I don't have it. But uh, I, I think it's real good to have in case of emergencies. And, and a lot of veterinarians recommend having a savings account for your pet. That's a great tip. That is yeah. a great tip. Yeah. You never want the reason they can't get care because you can't afford it. Because right. they're a member of our family after all. That's right. Yeah, that's a heartbreaking position to be in is it sure to need is. to give them care and not be able to. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Well, so. thank you so much for being with us today. Well, thank you for having me. I enjoyed it. Thank you. Before we get to the lesson of the week, we want to take a minute to tell you about one of the companies that makes it possible for us to bring you the podcast. And today we want to talk about Dry Farm Wines. It wasn't until I started intermittent fasting that I got really in tune with my body and really started to notice how certain foods and drinks affected me. Uh, Jen mentioned earlier when she was talking about Zoe that we all react differently to different foods, drinks, additives. Um, Our bodies don't tolerate all the same things. And for me, what I noticed was that when I would drink wine, I would wake up the next morning really stuffy and sinus congested. Um, My face would be puffy. And when I made that correlation, I gave up wine and I would just really only have it on occasion. And sure enough, I would wake up the next morning puffy. And then I was at Jen's house a couple of years ago and she served me some Dry Farms red wine. And I did not wake up the next morning puffy at all. I slept better. I just could totally notice a difference with one evening of having red wine with dinner. So did you know that most wines sold today are mass produced containing high levels of sugar, alcohol, and 76 different FDA approved additives? That's crazy. And they're not even on the label. Like they don't even show them. Like you don't know what's on your in your wine because they're not required to tell you. Mm-hmm. That's not very cleanish, is it? Not at all. So dry farm wines are different because they have strict criteria when it comes to how their wines are farmed and produced. If you want to learn more about dry farm wines, you can listen to episode 114 of Intermittent Fasting Stories. Jen interviewed the founder of dry farm wines, Todd White. We are thrilled that they have partnered up with us here for the Life Lessons podcast. If you go to dryfarmwines.com forward slash life lessons, you will get an additional bottle for just one penny on your first shipment. Make sure to use the link dryfarmwines.com forward slash life lessons to get the penny bottle with your first order. You can get one shipment to try or sign up for regular shipments at an interval that works best for you. And it's easy to skip shipments or even add extra shipments at any time. And every purchase you make helps support the Life Lessons podcast. Yep. And you can get, you know, you don't choose your individual wines. They choose them for you. And you don't, they don't make the wines. They just source the wines. Um, but you can get all red. You can get all white. You can get a mixture of red and white. You can get bubbly, which is what I always I love get. the bubbly. I get the bubbly. That's the one that's my favorite. Chad likes the red the most. But um, we just had some um, rosé bubbly this week from Dry Farm Wines. Was it delicious? It was. Rosé is not typically my favorite, but I enjoyed it. Their their wines are not too sweet. Right. That's why I don't normally go with the rosés. They tend to be sweet, but I don't mind a dry rosé. Yeah. Yeah. So, and all of you who think you need a sweet wine, you might be surprised that maybe you don't need one after all. 
So next we have a segment that we call our listener-led lesson. It might be a life hack, a book recommendation, a special recipe, a kitchen tip, or anything along those lines. And today's tip came through our Facebook community, actually, and it blew so many people's mind that I had to share it today. Well, I can't wait to hear it. Blow my mind, Sherry. Well, if anybody has long hair, and I don't know if you've used their like their hair, I call them hair ties, but like um. Like a, what do you a call rubber them? A band. Hairband? Hairband, yeah, hairband. Okay. Hairband, hair tie, whatever. For putting you your call hair it. in a ponytail. Yes. Mm-hmm. They have the ones that are like a telephone cord. They're kind of that spiral. Like spiral. See, I've never used those. Maybe it's because you have thick curly that hair. Might and be I've why. got like I just use the standard ones with that have the you know, the coating around them. Oh yeah. See, that won't go around my hair twice. Okay. That so- goes around my hair <laughs> three times. <laughs> I have a lot of hair. So I love these plastic ones. They're great. And um, they don't tear up your hair when you take them out either. And they work great for a messy bun, which my hair is in a messy bun quite a lot. But anyway, they get stretched out over time and then they'd stop working. But if you take it and you put your hair dryer on high and you blow dry it for like 30 seconds, it will shrink back to its original size and hold your hair just like it was new. That is a great tip. And I need to try. Well, I don't think I need to try those. I think my hair is too fine. They come fine. in different sizes. I don't think it would hold my hair. Well, they have little bitty ones for little okay, little well, girls. Love a little girl, Sherry. <laughs> <laughs> I've just got really fine straight hair. So it's not, It's it doesn't have a lot of bulk to it. Yeah. So mm-hmm. that is a very good tip. So um, at the end of each show, we share a motivational quote from a listener. Today's quote comes from Amanda Smith. She wrote, the quote I want to share is about grief and its reminder to respect the way everybody goes through it differently, whether a death, separation, divorce, or even losing a friendship. And the quote is, grief creates a void that sometimes never heals and can be a lonely road because no two of us travel in it the same. That's very true. Yeah. You know, uh, my dental hygienist was just telling me this afternoon that her she lost her husband to cancer three years ago. And she said she has kind of had men approach her and want to date. She's um, probably 60 years old. And, and she said, um, you know, I just tell them I'm not ready. And they tell me, you need to stop grieving. It's been time. And yeah, I, I told her then, I said, there's that. no timeline on no. grief. And everybody's going to do it differently. And some people grieve openly and and they show it. And other people grieve very quietly and they keep it to themselves. Yeah. So respect someone else's right to grieve differently than you, even if you're grie- grieving the same person. Mm-hmm. You know, if it's it's someone in your family and it's, it's doing something a different way, respect that they're different. Yeah. Make space for them to do it in, in their own way. Yeah. I've actually even heard at like funerals or after the loss of family members, you know, other family members will critique the way another person's behaving or, you know, how families are. It's like, can you believe she's oh, yeah. do, 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 do? Yeah, I know how families like, are. <laughs> it's like, you don't know that that person's not hurting just as much as you are. Just Yeah, some people they're hide their pain. It differently. Yeah. And they may be really, really feeling it, but not showing it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good point. Well, listeners, thank you for much for joining us today. Make sure to join our Facebook community. It's called Life Lessons with Jen and Sherry. 
Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast wherever you like to listen to podcasts. Subscribe to it there and it'll be automatically downloaded every single week. We would also love for you to leave a review on iTunes. It helps us reach other people. Do you have a story to share for our good news segment, a listener-led lesson, or a motivational quote that means something to you? Or do you have an area of expertise that you want to share as our featured guest for the week as we present our weekly life lesson? Email us at connect at lifelessonscommunity.com and listen each week to see if we share your story or tip. Until next week, thanks for listening. Bye. Bye. Bye.